we're going. Welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network, and you're in for daily blues content. I'm Thomas Welch. I'm Josh Hyman. And I'm Joey Pauzon. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the New York Rangers game against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Blues obviously came out victorious to make it eight for their win streak. But first, got to talk about this Monocle's Pizza. Little Monopoly man with the Monocle. Mm. Um, (laughs) Just beautiful stuff. Famous crispy thin thin crust pizza. If you listen to the pod, you know we rant and rave about it all the time. But we got to show them love because it's just that good. They got pan pizza, the point pizza, which is one of a kind, triangle pizza. And all their pizzas come come with a mozzarella or provel blend of cheeses. They got pepperonis, which are fresh baked rolls filled with pepperoni puree and four cheeses. So they're mm. pretty much just massive pizza rolls. I mean, who doesn't love that? They got St. Louis staple and toasted wraps. They got the family pleaser, which is a combo of pizza, salad, and soft drinks. You can dine in, carry out, or get it delivered. They've been doing it since 1959, so they obviously know what's up. Um, They do community involvement with fundraisers and reading programs around St. Louis. You can order online through their own app, website, and also available on Grubhub. And if you do order, you can get $5 off a large specialty pizza when you mention locked on or use the online code locked on. Lovely. So check them out. 1224 Highway K, O'Fallon, Missouri, or you can call them at 636-980-1212. That's 636-980-1212. Monocle's Pizza quality stuff can't beat it check them out guys mm, lovely that brings us into the uh monocles pizza versus new york pizza debate eh? coming up oh. here with rangers and blues oh. man <laughs> oh yeah so range rangers blues uh tuesday night big game rangers are rangers have been hot lately they've been climbing the standing so they it was a desperate definitely a desperation game for them they had come in losing Two in a row after winning a lot in a row, and but they 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 got up to the point where they were right outside a playoff spot, and then they started losing again. So I personally was coming to this game expecting a really hungry Rangers team, and we didn't really see that. I don't know what do you what do you think, Tommy? I don't know. I I thought they looked really hungry. I thought they played really well, especially because our defense has been so well lately. I mean, riding the riding the seven game win streak, uh, I feel like we were one of the hottest teams in the NHL, and they played us really tight. Um, but let's just talk about for a second. Hart Trophy candidate Artemi Panarin was playing out of his goddamn mind last night. It felt like I mean, just no look passes. That one, yeah. that one I'm thinking of in particular. He did like a spinorama 180 and yeah. just passed it yeah. blindly yeah. right on the tape of somebody. Like, yeah, are, that was dude, you gotta uh, be kidding. Jesper fast out front. I don't even think he was ready for it. He no, he wasn't. That. But yeah, when I say like they didn't seem hungry, like guys like Panarin and Jesper fast had a good game. They seemed like they was hungry to play off playoff atmosphere. But like at the end of the day, it was almost a, a boring game, and that plays in favor of the Blues. You know that's what they do. They lock you down. They don't give up those high danger opportunities. And and teams play really well against the Blues when they up the pace and they kind of make the Blues make quick decisions and make mistakes. It felt like the Rangers sort of played into St. Louis's game in that sense. They try. They kind of settled in and like what Henrik Lundqvist said the last time we played them the Blues play a very meticulous game they settle in they they execute plays uh, to a T um, and the only way to really break that is to go against the the grain in, in that style of play and not fall into the traps of slow methodical grinded out hockey but it felt like it was a complete Blues game from puck drop to final buzzer last night in the sense that they were never 
truly out of control. Like every once in a while, Artemi Panarin would pull some Artemi Panarin stuff and throw a 180 no-look pass and create an opportunity. But other than that, it was very um, very contained hockey, very low shots. Uh, 20, no, no, It was 26 for the Rangers and 23 for the Blues or something like that. So or 26 and 22. So low, low shooting, low scoring game, which as we know, plays right into what the Blues want to do. And they came out with yet another victory, eight in a row. Keep finding ways to win. This one wasn't their typical uh, overwhelm the team in shots. This one was just capitalize on the few opportunities you get, and they did. Bennington shut it down when necessary. So it, it's it's just another, another example of them playing the game that they need to play and getting wins in whatever whatever way possible. Yeah, and it's it's sad to see the Rangers kind of crumbling here yep. after the weekend with the two-game losing streak to Philly, home-and-home uh, home series, and then now getting beat by the Blues on home ice. Uh, these are crucial points for them. They, they need to get these points, even if it's something as simple as taking it to overtime at the end of the game there where they had the chance but it didn't score. Um, every point my hair is this time of the year, just like all year round, but... For what what stood out for me is the the loss of Chris Crowder for the Rangers. Yeah, it looked like one. he could have he could have really been a game changer last night for them. I mean, we we've been talking about Panarin and all the game changing plays he made last night. It just didn't seem like they still didn't have that extra extra piece to put him over the top on that game. But uh, I, I really think that loss is going to hurt them down the stretch. And uh, not no uh, not to mention the sure the. Uh, the car crash incident, right? right? That happened last week. So right. that that plus the Crowder thing, it almost looks like it de- derailed their season in a way. Yeah, yeah I could see that for sure. So obviously um, the Rangers hopped out on, in front in the first period um, on a power play goal. Uh, Zabinajad slams at home for his 33rd of the season. That was a pretty goal, by the way. Just some textbook passing right there. Yeah, he's got a wide open cage. Um, but yeah, it just pops at home. Yeah, so Rangers go up one nothing, and we've said this a million times before because I feel like the Blues have gone down by one frequently in this win streak, and I feel like more, more and more uh, as the win streak goes on, I've become less and less worried when they go down a goal. It's, I mean, remember at the very beginning when they were, I think it was like game two or something, they might have gone down by two, and I was like, oh man, uh, are they are these back to the, the losing Blues that we've seen the last few games? But they, they've come back a lot. They've shown resilience. They've hung around in games, and this was another example where you know it's kind of back and forth. No one can really break the tie and then the Rangers get a power play and one little tic-tac-toe opportunity they're up one nothing and it felt like a, a yet again a very a very easy opportunity for the Blues to kind of settle in and and turtle and, and not really fight back and, and instead they kind of locked down and continued to play that grind that out hockey until a lot later which again they, they haven't been striking back immediately but they've sort of been not allowing the deficit to get to them and they've been playing their game and relying on the fact that maybe it won't be right after but eventually they'll get the equalizer and sure enough period two right away Tommy what happened uh, Colton Pareko scores on their own power play goal mm. um, not a slap shot this time with, no. a little, with a little filthy wrister on the near post um, and that's his ninth goal of the season and last year he had 10 goals and that's his career high so we could be looking at a, a career best for Colton Pareko yeah, that was, uh, that was actually a good power play, too, by the way, for the Blues, Not let alone the goal. Uh, but I know Perron had a chance. Petro had a chance. And I, I want to say Schwartz had one or two chances right there. But, um, yeah, good power play by, by the Blues. Uh, annual shout-out to Mark Savard for the power play goal. But, uh, yeah, yeah keep it moving, though. 
Secondly, Colton Pareko has just been on fire lately. That's his. Um, he has two goals in the last five games, and he has let's see, two, three, four points in his last five. So he's been he's been um, a lot more of an offensive weapon for St. Louis, and they're utilizing that big shot of his. They're putting him in the Ovechkin spot on the power play with that booming clapper. But every once in a while, you know, he has the ability, he has the patience to pick up a puck and dust it off a little bit and get off a good shot, like he did there. I was expecting him to just rip a slap shot and you know maybe put it wide or put it down low but he took a moment looked around saw that he had a, a space to put the puck in and and scored a really nice wrister a, a goal scorer's goal which he hasn't he has been a lot more of just to fire the puck on net and hope for the best in the in the past but now i feel like he's become a little bit more patient a little bit more a little bit more intelligent with his shots and rather than just trying to create rebounds and create opportunities he's shooting to score a lot more and we've seen that he's scoring uh, a lot more frequently than he was earlier in the season or earlier in his career he's got uh, two goals in his last three games so yeah and you hear it all the time too like uh blues coaches talking about they want him to shoot it more be more offensive obviously fans all the time tell him to shoot the puck and bring that 104 mile per hour slap shot um and like you were saying before we started recording josh i think he led the he led the team in shots against the Rangers, so you love yeah. to see that. So yeah, tied for cool. first with stuff. four shots, him and him and Sammy Blay. And that doesn't seem like much, four shots, but when you keep in mind that the team only had 22, that means him and Sammy Blay accounted for nearly or more than a third of the team's shots. So it, when you got guys like that in a very defensive-style game that can take the puck from the point, uh, you know, because maybe it's not, maybe the puck's not in the middle as much in, in such a in such a uh, lockdown-style game. You know, you're not, your forwards aren't getting as many opportunities the centers weren't really getting a lot of opportunities but you got guys that are on the outside the perimeters that can you know really sneak pucks through tough situations and get it on net through traffic like he can it's very valuable to create rebounds and and not to because he has four shots sure but I, I wonder how many of those shots were from the point that created rebounds created secondary opportunities which are so huge in games like this when scoring opportunities are, are few and far between yeah, and he has definitely been aggressive on the offensive end of the ice. He's got 13 shots his last four games, including the two goals in three games that you just mentioned there. But uh, another guy that was also getting more pucks in the net lately is Sammy Blay, I think. Yep. Um, I think he's starting to elevate his play a little bit more and more each game, whether it's one game getting physical with leading the team in hits or a game like yesterday where he's tied to the lead and uh, shots with Colton Preco for the team lead. Absolutely. So, however he's trying to get his game in there, it's kind of the thing that we somewhat seem with uh, De La Rose or Kyrou, guys that are s- sort of struggling, quote-unquote, to stay in the lineup with Craig Ruby. Um, Sammy Blay will always find a way to stick in the lineup, whether it's getting physical, whether it's getting to offense, doing what he has to do, playing Bruby's game, and that's that's why we tend to see him in the lineup every night. I, mean, I, still, I don't think it should go unmentioned, too, that he did have that long-term injury. So coming back from that, mm-hmm. Sammy Blay strikes me as the guy that's going to, like, obviously attempt to play through anything. Not that any other any other hockey player wouldn't, but Sammy Blay is definitely – I feel like would be kind of like that stubborn mule, like coach put me in, put me in, put me in. Um, so he could be potentially like still coming back to 100%. Not really that he's like ailing or anything, um, but maybe like playing pucks timid because he doesn't feel 100%. And like you were saying, Joey, we're finally uh, starting to see the Sammy play that we saw at the beginning of the season that was just wrecking up the goals and um, playing great hockey. So. Absolutely. Yeah, back in, back in October, he had six points in 11 games. He had four goals, two assists. Then uh, they kind of had some line shuffling go around. He 
kind of moved from that second line with O'Reilly and Perron down to that third and fourth line. So a little little decrease in time there, and then he got injured, obviously. But yep. he started off the season on fire. Looks like he's starting to get back into that yep. form. Yep. And uh, when we when we return uh, coming up, we gotta we'll recap the third period of this game. You know, heading into the third period tied, so it's a big one. So we'll we'll talk about that one when we get back. All right, boys. So it's it's one it's one one. Heading into the third, I feel like we've been in this situation a lot with this team lately. Uh, decisive, decisive period coming up. What, what's your mindset going in, Tommy? Uh, you got to lean on. You got to lean on your playmakers to make some plays. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And who better than uh, Mr. Hot Stuff himself, <laughs> Bridge Shen, with a silky little wrap around <laughs> that he totally <laughs> right through he the totally, weights of the goaltender. Totally meant to do that for sure. <laughs> But hey, sometimes when you're hot, like he is, he's got he had goals and four straight coming into this. Sometimes when you're hot, you just do random things like that, and the puck finds the back of the net. You know, he's he's wrapping around. No one's really expecting a a dangerous play to come out of it, and he literally just just throws it across the across the goal line, and the unsuspecting Georgia boots it in with his skate, and all of a sudden, this incredibly close competitive game is two one on what seemed like a nothing chance, just because Braden Chen is that hot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, if he's flying around that goal and he's peeking at the goaltender and seeing him slide over um, with his five hole wide open like that, it's essentially like throwing a hot dog down a hole. Oh hallway, yeah, you know what I'm oh saying? yeah. And it, it might have <laughs> it, it, it might have been calculated, but it was just so funny to me that it, it seemed so like nonchalant. Accidental. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so like, oh, oh, don't mind me. I'm just gonna just gonna toss this puck this way. And he almost he didn't even react like that. He reacted like, oh yeah, but went in. Cool. It, it was it was funny to me in that sense because. I was so on edge, like with a close one-one game. I was like, "Oh man, when's it going to happen?" And all of a sudden, you know, you got the chances back and forth, um, exciting, exciting plays either way. And all of a sudden, Braden Shed with a little wrap around. The next thing you know, it's like, "Oh, it's two-one. That's convenient." Yeah. So and then so we got a two-one lead uh, about halfway through the period, which you know it, it's it's the Blues showing their showing their resilience. It, it Rangers, Jordan Binnington starts yeah, standing on his head. Jordan Binnington absolutely standing on his head. The Rangers had the better play in that period, I'd say for sure. Um, it, but again, it seemed like a little bit too little, too late for them in the sense that when when you're playing teams like the St. Louis Blues, all they need is a one goal lead, and they're just gonna lock you down. And yeah, they doubled our shots in the third. Yeah, he's been an animal lately. He's won six in a row, seven in a row. He, something like that. He's won one, two, seven. three, four, five, six in a row, uh, dating back to the New Jersey game. So, and he's been, he's had a 917, 1000, 1000, 970, 833, 882, and 962 save percentage. So, other than a few tough games, he's been dominant in his victories and it's funny too because you look at a, a couple of those saves that he made um on guys just standing right in the slot wide open it looks like he just gets lucky and the puck just kind of like ends up in his glove like he doesn't really have to move it it just goes right in there um but that's really due to like his stellar positioning and just always being in the right position to make the play um i think there was another one where it looked like i think it was capo caco actually it looked like at live at live speed, he just missed wide, but Bennington like pushed his block it, yeah. towards the shot to tip it wide, and it's just like little things like that. Like instead of just like sitting back on the puck and trying to react, like the dude's like what ten feet away. Like it's going to be difficult for anyone to react that fast, but um, just trying to 
telegraph, I guess, where he thinks the puck is going to go and get there first. It's, it, just, it just really sets him apart from a lot of the other goalies in the league. Yeah, he's been he's been on fire lately. He's definitely uh, was under some criticism during the losing streak. He wasn't playing uh, to the best of his ability. And other than the other than the back and forth game against Chicago a few games ago, which I don't really think you could fault. Dennington for that. He's been at an elite level in every game he's played. The times that he's struggled, there's been a lot of power play goals scored. But when he when it matters, he's been really, really reliable for St. Louis. He's been he hasn't had to make a lot of really difficult saves, which I think goes back down to what makes this team so successful. And sometimes they'll let up a lot of shots, but a lot of times it's these point shots or it's these one and done opportunities. If Bennington if Bennington doesn't allow a lot of rebounds, and when he does, you've got these gigantic hulking defensemen to clear the puck out of the crease before anyone gets a chance to to get any rebounds. So it, it, Bennington's play a lot of uh, often comes down to just his confidence and his ability, but the most important thing arguably is when this defense is playing well, when they're not allowing second chance opportunities, when they're not allowing players to get to the middle of the ice to get these prime scoring opportunities it gives him the comfort to you know say okay these saves are i'm not going to be making these impossible saves or i'm not going to be facing these impossible opportunities you know a lot of times it's shots from the point that maybe he screened a little bit but all he's going to do is make that initial save and he's confident that guys like pareko scandela bortuzzo is really good at it we'll just see that puck and immediately whack it away from a danger, dangerous area. And that's what this team has been really good at. We saw that in the playoffs uh, last year, and they've been getting back to that style lately, and it's been huge for the team. Eight in a row. Can't ask for much more. Yeah, and, and you mentioned how the Blues locked down with that second goal from Shin in the middle of the third period there. I know they, they weren't leading after two, but this just goes to show how good they are with the lead. Yep. So when leading after two periods of play, the Blues are 25-0-6 on the year. Ooh. When they're leading after the first period with the lead, they're 16-1-8 on the year. So that just goes to show you what this team can do when they have a, a, a one-goal, some as simple as a one-goal lead. So, like, even in one-goal games, they're 9-2 on the season. So that just shows you that this team has been built from top to bottom for the playoffs just yep. based on those stats that I just told you. Yep, that, you're not going to win. You're not going to have 100-point scores with those stats. Right. You ain't going right. to have... 50 goal scores. You're gonna have these. You're gonna have a winning team that knows how to go out there, do their job, and close out the victory. And that's and exactly what they and, do. And it that comes down to like I've had this mentality so often, and, and it's so nice to be able to win games like six one, et cetera, et cetera, six five, like we saw four three. But when it comes to the playoffs, those games aren't gonna matter. Every once in a while, maybe in a seven game series, one or two games will be open like that. But the important games in a playoff series are gonna be two one, one nothing, three two, three one with an empty net. It's about those really grind it out uh, defensive style games that just rely on one or two mistakes that define a game define a series define a playoff run and I mean we saw that in the Dallas game I don't think uh, I don't think an offensive or in the Dallas series I don't think an offensive minded you know fast paced team wins in double overtime while putting up 60 shots on Ben Bishop that's just not that if, if you go to double overtime and you're an offensive high flying level t- uh, playing team you saw sometimes you're going to get tired and sometimes you're just going to get hemmed into your own zone like Dallas did so when you have the ability to grind it out and play for 60 minutes 80 minutes 100 minutes and still just keep 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 teams away from the front of your net and it's proven successful I won the cup with that strategy and we kept the same roster I don't really see a way you can argue that the strategy isn't working uh, every once in a while they'll they come they get away from it in the regular season and it hurts them and they lose a few games but once they get back to their game plan they're unbeatable 
And some fun stats for that, um, for those second and third goals. So Braden Shen scored the second goal to go up two to one. Um, his 25th of the year, which ties David Perron for the team lead. Mm. Uh, and then Jaden Schwartz obviously, obviously scored the empty netter, but he was assisted by Ryan O'Reilly. That's his 49th assist. Or his, 47. Yeah, 49th, 47th assist. Um, and he's one behind Perron for the lead in points now. So kind of seems like, like obviously David Perron's not producing at the level that he was kind of around the all-star game where it just looked like he was a man on fire. Um, but the rest of the team around him has kind of picked it up. So he hasn't really had to. Um, so that that's always nice to see. Yep. But Josh, talking about the strategy that you were talking about, like the the heavyweight style that the Blues have. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but the comments from the the Rangers coach about the officiating and how they should have had more that. penalties and all of this we stuff. It just, dude, it just it just sets apart Coach Berube like so much. Like just the fact yeah. that he thinks his team has to rely on power play goals to score, and that's the only way they scored against us was on the power play. Yeah. That like Whoa. even if they make the playoffs, that's not gonna. So that's exactly play. what it is. He's he's calling for calls and future games to make up for that game. In order to help his team reach that final playoff goal, I have That's some. Thought, that was I have about. some. I have some thoughts on that. We'll get into that real quick uh, when we get back. And I have some. I have definitely have some some thoughts on on those comments he made. We'll be right back. All right. Yeah. So after the game, uh, there was a question directed towards the Rangers head coach, and it was, uh, "Do you think that they deserved more than the Rangers deserved more than three power plays?" And he insinuated, "Yes." He thought that the calls didn't, or the call there were some certain calls that weren't made that could have benefited his team, et cetera, et cetera. Blah blah blah. What, what, what were your what were your initial thoughts before before I get too heated? What were your guys' initial thoughts on hearing those comments? My um, my, my sorry, initial go shot I got real quick. My initial thought is that the Blues out outgained them on power play opportunities, mm-hmm. probably five to five to two. Right? Okay. I look back at the stats. The Rangers had three power plays. The Blues had one. One. I don't understand. You had your chances. You had <laughs> three times the chances. I don't know what what he's grabbing about. Hundred percent. He's just calling that out just for future games here coming up because he knows how crucial they are. He wants some calls in his favor. You kind of saw exactly what uh, Pierre DeBoer did with San Jose last year in the West Conference Final. I think it was even after game one or two against the Blues, saying they're not even playing hockey. They're just going out there headhunting, basically. That's all it is. He's trying to set the tone, but uh, I don't necessarily agree with it at this standpoint. Uh, For me, it really just, like, it comes down to an in-playoff hockey referees are going to put their whistles away anyway, right? Because they don't yeah. want to be the difference between like a one goal game and all, or the difference in a series because of a call, like the hand pass Absolutely. we saw, mm-hmm. uh, like they, they're literally in the spotlight. Um, so if they make a mistake or just make a blown call or anything right. like that, their, their heads are essentially on a platter. Um, but I think it also shows the contrast between coach Baruby and shows what kind of a coach the Rangers have. So maybe that might be an issue for them. Cause I mean, even growing up, just playing sports, Anytime I would complain about the referees, every coach I had was like, overcome it. Like, it, it's not going to like be the difference in this game if you play to your talent level. And I think, obviously, I don't know what the coach was saying. Also, a lot of Rangers fans were really upset about uh, that, quote, Scandella trip. But if you watch the replay, he didn't even make 
contact with the so I forget who it yeah, was, but yeah. didn't even touch it. So my this this is a this is a, a opinion that I that I have that goes beyond hockey um, about officiating in general. And the when whenever someone asks me who do I think the greatest player of all time is, LeBron James or, or Michael Jordan, the biggest the biggest impediment I have with LeBron James is you turn on a Lakers game today or in today's NBA and you can you you can you'll be hard pressed to watch more than two possessions two possessions before LeBron runs up to the ref does throws his hands in the air and and complains about calls and like 90% of the time he's a gigantic athletic dude I'm sure he gets fouled I'm sure he gets hacked that's the only way players can stop him but if you're gonna be the greatest player of all time if you're gonna say you're the best at your position then you should then you shouldn't be relying on the referees to to help you out in that in those situations and, and when and when players and, and teams and coaches go to complain about officiating regardless of how good or how poorly it is it always gives me pause because they're humans it's part of the game they're gonna make mistakes and like that's natural. That's part of a sport. Officials aren't perfect. That's part of what makes sports the way they are. If if they if we had robot officials in every sport, it would be boring. You know, it would take away from some of the from some of the fun. And I think that there's just only a certain extent that you can criticize officiating on direct incidents like the hand pass. Absolutely, that's that's an issue. Game and game deciding play. But when you're playing a, a 60 minute hockey game and it's a very tight called game and there's only four penalties in total and three of them are for your team, maybe have the aware to say, okay, maybe this just wasn't this t- style of game where a lot of calls are getting made. Similar to like, you know, LeBron complaining in the playoffs. It's it's He's complaining about calls, but you know what? That call isn't getting made on any other player at any other incident just because he's LeBron. He thinks he deserves it. And it's one of those things where like Blues weren't getting those calls either. There, there are plenty of things both ways that just went uncalled because it was that style of game. And there's a point where you have to be able to say, okay, how do I win with this officiating instead of instead of how can I manipulate the officials to better help my team? It, it, there's a there's a certain point where you have to accept the fact that it's out of your control, and I think that the more you complain, the less you're going to prepare for that in the future. In my opinion, I think you just got to be willing to uh, shut your mouth and accept that officiating is going to suck sometimes. And you got to overcome it rather than change it. I felt a lot of uh, pent up resiliency towards LeBron in those comments, Josh. Yeah, there but, is, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> but they, I think you hit the nail LeBron. on the head. The goat LeBron. Let's get that straight. The goat LeBron. We got. We got to address look, him by this name. Look. Look, if he was the GOAT, he wouldn't need to complain to officials to get more calls. If he really is the greatest player of all time, then he should be able to overcome these things. No, I, 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 I digress. That's, it's, it, it, his complaining to officials does not take away from his basketball, from his basketball ability. But it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't care if it's LeBron. I don't care if it's my favorite player. Just don't – I've been a ref. We're trying our best. 99.9% of the time, we're – Trying our best, and I ref might, so I, I don't have a stake in the game when it comes to professionals. But I, I know when I try to make a call, and some eight-year-old's parent is screaming at me, I, it's no, there's no part of me that was like, "I'm going to screw over this eight-year-old." It's just it's one of those things where people are going to make mistakes, and while it would be really easy to blame that for your team losing and blame that for your team having lack of success, if you have that mentality, you're never gonna you're never gonna win because it's not like it's not like it's going to get better. It's not like the refs are just going to be like all of a sudden, oh, you're right. I'm going to I'm just going to become the per- perfect referee, make every correct call, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes there are going to be situations where you get screwed by officiating, aka hand pass. And um, 
and the blues overcame that and they they instead of letting it destroy their their resilience and destroy their their chances they said you know what if if it's not going to go our way then fine we're not going to leave it up to officiating anymore and then we're going to go out score the sharks 20 to 2 in the next few games and, and win the game so it's one of those things where i think championship level teams overcome that sort of thing and you know who isn't grabbing about uh power play calls to get in the playoffs right now who would that be the minnesota wild future uh, playoff team minnesota wild actually Oh yeah, uh, I mean, well, we you saw. I don't know if you guys saw Tom uh, Joey tweeted out a hot take the other day that the Minnesota Wild are Bold prediction making Bold the prediction. playoffs. And I, Joey, you gotta put some money on that for sure. Uh, hey, I don't know about putting money Mr. on Vegas man. I don't know about but Well, if you want me to be completely honest, the reason I noticed this trend was because I was considering betting against the Wild for like the last two weeks in many games. And I just decided to lay off because they're one of those teams that are on the bubble right now and they have to play with that desperation. And I just noticed these guys have just been playing out of their freaking minds lately. Like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Um, right now, they got like three games in hand on everyone in front of them, I'm pretty sure. And then they're like a point out right now, I want to say, to, uh, yep, to this out. second. And just a few tidbits here. Uh, Alex Stalock, the goaltender, improves a 10-3-1 with a 2-0-0 goal against average and a 9-2-6 save percentage and three shutouts in his last 14 starts. So they're getting high goaltending. Now, how about the offense? Kevin Fiala, former National Predator. He is on pace for a 66-goal, 126-point season out of his last 15 games. That's how on fire this team is out of the last 10 to 15 game stretch. They're getting their goaltending at all times on pace season. for an 82 goal season over his last hey, five. What's your point? That that's a <laughs> five game span. I'm talking 15 games span. Yeah, that's a big okay. okay, and over a 66 game span they're not in a playoff spot. Okay, how about this? Since January 16th, Alex Stalock is tied for Tim for, for wins in the NHL with Tampa Bay's Andre Vasilevsky for most wins by a goaltender since January 16th. Listen, I'm skeptical too. I'm skeptical too, Josh, but after the blue no, season, I, I feel know. like anything is possible. So I you know. Gotta... I just enjoy busting <laughs> Joey's balls. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I, think, I think hockey is the one sport where any hot take, any bold prediction could come to fruition. So I, I, I can't, I'm going to withhold my, my uh, comments and my take on this prediction and, until the, we get a few more games under our belt because if the, the, who knows, the Wild could absolutely win 14 of their last 16 games, go on a cup run, win the whole thing, or it's equally as likely that they lose 10 straight and win the lottery. That's just hockey for you. So... Yeah, absolutely. The Wild can make the playoffs, or or they could crash and burn. We saw, we've seen with the Rangers lately. They were on fire, and then they lose a couple in a row. And now they've got a huge challenge ahead of them to even make the playoffs when they were just one point out a few games ago. So, who knows? Especially with with the Wild, they started out pretty pretty slow, and they've been turning it on lately. So, who knows what their true identity is? Whether it be that team we saw at the beginning of the season, or the team we've seen over the last fifteen or so games, but. I would love to see a Blues Wild playoff series. Uh, flashbacks of Jake Allen's heroic performance from a few years ago. We've 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 played them a couple times. It would be fun to uh, go against them again, but we'll see. And it would help with uh, marketing for the for the Winter Classic coming up. So any bad blood there, start a start a little narrative going. Hundred percent. But I got two last things to touch on. First thing yeah. is um, Zach Parise that the the reported trade at the deadline. 
Uh, since then, he has had three goals, three assists, six points in his last four. So he is, he's he's starting fire. to get a fire lit under him. This this whole team is just gelling at, at this moment. It's yep. it's crazy. And and we just talked about during that Rangers Blues uh, review how crucial it was to get points in and regulation and win those tight games. They're built around that sort of same identity, the the small ball type of the hard checking playoff style identity. And yep. of the top five teams in the league right now, two teams that are in the top five in regulation wins are the San Louis Blues and Minnesota Wild. That's something that even caught me by surprise on that. Could be one. fun. Could be yeah. fun. Well, I think I think we got to wrap things up. We're out of time today. Anything else you boys got to add for our lovely listeners at home? I got nothing. Got good nothing. stuff. Yeah. Good Le- stuff. LeBron James. LeBron James, the goat. Minnesota uh, Wild making yeah. playoffs. Uh, Connor McDavid's tomorrow. the goat. Uh, Connor McDavid. Buy some Monticello's pizza. <laughs> buy Monticello's pizza, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, buy Monticello's pizza, please. It's so good. <laughs> use, use code locked on. No, but, but in all seriousness, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked On Blues. Get those mailbag questions, and we're hoping to finally get another one of those on Friday and another gauntlet. Uh, so that should be fun. Got some good stuff planned. Make sure to check out the two episodes from this week if you haven't already. We got some great guests. When Tony X. Tony X the and man, the myth Reagan. The and Bruno Reagan. Yeah, come on, guys. And Bruno Reagan. Two, yeah. two big time guests. We're getting back into the swing of things for the for the guest interviews. Lots of fun stuff for you guys there. But that being said, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and let's go Blues.